Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Welcome, everyone watching live um, in different parts of the country and the world. And those gathered for our Labor Day retreat, welcome again. Uh, Let me just give you a moment to center yourself as we practice the rule of life. Remember, during the course of this retreat, and for those of you uh, who are watching at home or need to recap, we're going to have some sessions available uh, for preview later. But it's so critical for us to develop a rhythm, um, a routine, habits and practices, because like we talked about, the new powerful cultural narratives that continue to both explicitly and implicitly shape who we're becoming. And one of the things that I like to do uh, are two things, um, and they both have worked, and they're very, very brief, but they're very informing. And that's practicing the rule of life in the morning, right when you wake up. Rather than going for your phone, because that's going to influence you implicitly, that's going to become a ritual. Rather than that, practice the rule of life. From your bed, lying down. I like to wake up slowly. You know, wake up and just be in the moment in, in bed. I know some of you are OCD, need to make your bed, relax. Lay there, lay your hands out and breathe out and breathe in the presence of God. Practice the rule of life and invite the presence of God to shape not only your day, but his grand story for your life. That doing 365 times a year will invite you into the larger story rather than get caught up in the meta-narratives, the compelling narratives. So that's one way. And I would encourage to get Sarah Young's devotional. You know, Melinda Gates' uh, whole day starts with Sarah Young's devotional. And that's what led to the philanthropy. Said, said Bill Gates Foundation, Melinda Gates Foundation, it says that that's our faith in action. Well, maybe just her faith in action. And, uh, but those two things can be very informative. So I would encourage you, um, if you want to create rhythms, you want to create practices and habits that inform your spiritual formation. That might be something that you choose. Because here's the thing. I can't choose it for you. Right? I would if I could. Just go to your room. Hey, come on. What are you doing? Practice the rule of life. Or just play me. On YouTube. That don't, that's creepy. Don't do it. But that's what I'm saying. Practice the rule of life and, and a, a brief devotional to start your day, to create a rhythm. So let's do it right now. Practice the rule. Let's exhale. All the inks, all the anxieties.
all the toxicities. And inhale the presence of God, his, his grace, the narrative and the story he's inviting us to live and joining God to restore the beauty in all things. And all God's people pray. Amen. Amen. Let's put this picture up not for a second. It's a punchline. So uh, there was a all right, there's already give it away. <laughs> but um, there was a Yale student in uh, early years studying, and he was taking a management class. And he laid out a plan for his thesis project, a parcel service about globally delivering shipments to all over the world. And didn't start out so well because he got a D minus. And the professor said, this would never work. You're a Yale student. You should be smarter than this. And that could be really discouraging. It was, what would you call that? It would be called failure, right? It would be stumbling about an idea that had really unicorn-type potential, but it started out stumbling almost in the darkness. The student ignored his professor's advice and started something called pretend to be surprised, <laughs> FedEx. So everybody say, whoa, whoa, FedEx. In the advent of a post-Christian society, cancel culture, where everybody defines you in a moment or a tweet or a statement, the church, the ecclesia, there's no real word church in the Bible, but it's called the ecclesia, the community sent out by God. Um, there is a response, a gospel response to deconstruction, and that's reconstruction. The church is called in the spirit of the age that wants to deconstruct everything and bring it down to size because of its innate suspicion, which has some merit. The gospel calls us to reconstruction. To become, the ecclesia is called to become a community marked by grace, generosity, and redemption. Tell someone next to you, redemption. The redeeming redemption. <laughs> the redeeming potential of every single jars of clay in our planet. Instead of canceling the gospel business is the business of redeeming. No matter how precipitously it seems that you have fallen, no matter how dark it might seem, the gospel response to deconstruction is redemption. And some people have asked, how do we trust the church after all its failures globally? The Inquisition, the Crusades, Front page of the paper, religious leaders falling for left and right things. How do we find what the gospel story is? And if you look at the beginning, 
of the foundation of the ecclesia. You have to really read it carefully, implicitly. This is, again, why I beseech you, like Paul says. It's not a word we use. I beseech you, urge you to read the scriptures for yourselves. You know why it's written in English now? In the dark ages, it was Latin, so no one could under, no one could read or write. One of the reasons why the Bible became so popular was because everybody, all the peasants, all the lower class, wanted to learn to read. So when you got a book of John, that was like getting a MacBook. It was technology of the day. So read and be informed. Because if you read the beginning of the Ecclesia, Jesus chooses his leaders in deep, pensive reflection. But he, you, he calls not people from the ivy tower. He doesn't call people from high society in Rome who literally were living like crazy rich Romans. He calls fishermen. He calls flawed men. And they're flawed from the beginning. You go, how can I trust church leadership or how can I trust politicians or institutions the bible starts from ground zero it doesn't put people on a pedestal it paints them flawed from the very beginning so the ecclesia is not a community called the perfection but direction it is clay it is jars of clay but it's also pliable it's about the redeeming potential tell someone that's you the redeeming potential Look at them and say, you have potential. You, you have potential. You're a piece of work. You might be a stubborn piece of work, but the gospel story is about clay that's stiff and rough, but the potter, in spite of his resistance, shapes it and molds it into something not only beautiful but useful. So when we come to the gospel story, we're not coming to a utopian idea of perfect people or perfect rule. We're coming to a broken system and God's power being made manifest. So if you read from the very beginning of Peter's story, the, the rock upon which Jesus says, I will find the church. Still, the Catholic church, which means universal, the Pope's position is really the first Pope in ecumenical Christianity is considered Peter. So the one chosen to be the founder of Christianity in many ways, the rock upon which Christ builds his church, his origin story, just like all characters, is the beginning starts with brokenness. The ending starts with brokenness. And even the future ends in brokenness. Because Peter, the first time, let's go to the text in John 21. After Peter denies Jesus three times, Jesus, this is about Jesus restoring Peter. It says very clearly, afterward, it's very hard for me to read this. Um, Jesus... Are we good with the camera? Okay. Oh, well, that's much easier. <laughs> Minyoung, you could have gave me this. <laughs> okay, 
Okay, so after, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee, at this juncture, is after the, after the resurrection, but the Sea of Galilee is where Jesus first met Peter and his brother and the sons of Zebedee, John and James. So in a sense, it's a recreation of the beginning at what Peter thought would be the end of the story. So Jesus appeared. That, that, that right there is so critical textually to understand that Jesus appeared. Tell someone next to you, Jesus appeared. Jesus. Now you got to be like, Jesus appeared. Jesus. We're a little more exuberant because it's a retreat. It's the end of the retreat, like we're spiritually high now. So it's like, <laughs> Jesus appeared. Jesus. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Amen. I'm so encouraged now. But that statement, Jesus appeared, is so critical because this is the end of the human story. The human story always will fail. The gospel story is not about the human story. Might be what humans become, but it's about the divine story. Jesus appears in darkness, in Peter's darkness, in Peter's failure, in Peter's brokenness. Peter, if you look at this text, it says that it happened this way, right? Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, which are James and John, and the two other disciples were together, meaning all the boys in, from Nazareth. All the boys from Galilee were together. The gang was back. They were fishing partners. Because what are they doing? What, what, are, what is John painting for us? They are going back to default mode. The revolution didn't happen because the Messiah, we thought, died because they were looking from a political lens. But what happened? They went back to what they did before, three and a half years ago, because they thought the story was over. Jesus selects failures to start the church. So when you go, well, I'm not going to trust in people because they might fail, well, hey, here you are from the beginning of failure. The, the church is founded upon broken people, leaders. We're talking about leaders here, the ones that we will name our kids after. The emperor of Rome, we named them after our dogs, Nero. Caesar Palace, pizzerias. But these broken men that God filled and spent time with, Peter, James, John, are, are the names we name our kids after today. So how can I have confidence in the ecclesia? It's not, you, it's not you're trusting the people because they're just people. And that is the foundation in which we understand. It's God's spirit on those people on this, that Jesus has this vision. God has this vision. In. And so what did they say? I'm going, I'm going to fish, Peter says. Verse 3, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat that night, and what happened? They caught nothing, failed again. They're not even good at fishing anymore. They're out of practice. But you know what happened in the beginning of the call of Peter and the sun sensitivity? They also caught nothing. And Jesus said, hey, why don't you throw your net to the high water. And then Peter said in Luke 5, he said, oh my God, Rabbi, 
there are no fish out there. He's been fishing for 30 years. He's like, Rabbi, okay, I'll do it, but that's not really how you fish. Stick to teaching, bro. <laughs> and they reluctantly threw the net out of, because remember, Asian culture, Middle Eastern culture, same shame and honor. So if a rabbi says, hey, why don't you put the net in there? And then Peter was like, okay, fine. And he threw the net. What happened? He caught too many fish that it broke the net and they needed people to haul in and get help, which happens here at the same time, which recreates the beginning of the beginning. And Peter says to Jesus, get away from me, Lord. I am a what? Sinner. So he, how much did Peter really change in three and a half years? This is the person that Jesus invent, invested all his time in. He collapsed. When a servant girl asked him, hey, don't, didn't you know Jesus? He goes, I never knew that man. So Jesus takes a failure to, follow, to be the rock of the church? How does that make any sense? I mean, isn't there someone better? And so when you come to the ecclesia, you're already coming to the preconceived prerequisite that we, are, we all have fallen short. And Peter, unlike other religious zealots or cult leaders, do not tell the origin story a different way. Come on. If you started a religion, wouldn't you want to be painted in a better light than this? Like, yo, John, what are you doing? Don't write that. I mean... I mean, I know people that get really upset when I put pictures of them up and it looks bad, like my wife especially. <laughs> she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what? That's not a good picture. And she's not in here, so I can say that. And, um, <laughs> it's not flattering. You tell your friends, like, how could you say that? John, his best friend, paints Peter as a failure from the very beginning. And Peter preaches that message over and over again in the beginning of the New Testament church. Because we're, we're sinners saved by grace, not saints saved by works. That's the beginning, the very foundation of the church. If that doesn't get through our head, then we can't have hope. We don't know what the hope is then. So what's the first thing? The very human story. The first thing, let's put the point up. Read that with me. Every saint has a what? And a sinner. Every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. The tension of who you be, who are becoming and who you are will always be in it, it will be the ambivalence of the gospel movement of the ecclesia one moment we're progressing the other moment we're faltering one moment we have our best moments the another moment we're faltering And the one Jesus and, this, and for this age of the advent of christian nationalism i think it's paramount and significant because Peter in the future will be one of the greatest stumbling blocks to reach the Gentiles. Peter and Paul get <laughs> fighting all the time because Peter still struggles with xenophobia and racism. Doesn't like Rome, doesn't, doesn't really like Gentiles. He struggles it chronically for the rest of his life. That's who God chose to lead the church. 
And then you go, well, no, these, this person's not good enough. That person's, well, you're not reading the Bible. Tell someone, read your Bible. Read your Bible, yo. Well, then who should lead the church? Anyone that understands that God's power is made perfect in their weakness and they're not ashamed or they don't Photoshop it or edit it because that is the person who can lead the church. The person that knows that it's, what? There is no ambiguity who, who the hero is in your story. is Jesus. What, what's, what's the Ecclesia story? Jesus saves. A community marked by grace, generosity, and redemption. So therefore, all of you in this room, you can disqualify yourself because, well, I've done this, done, and, you know, I think this. I don't know. I'm not the type of person that God can use. You're wrong. Because... Every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. We're in that tension. And John Newton is a good example of that. Let's read what he says together. I am not what? The man I ought to be. I am not the man I wish to be, and I am not the man I hope to be. But by the grace of God, I am the man, I, I, I am not the man I used to be. A slave trader turned abolitionist to, the, to his last um, breathing, last breath he fought against slavery because he felt so ashamed of his previous life without Christ. John Newton, in the midst of his slave trading, in the midst of his insidious inequity in perpetuating that type of colonialism and really sinful you know, structural systems, he would have been canceled today. Actually, I would have canceled him right away. This, you look at the person, but this person, they, they get no chance. This person, no chance. They would be canceled because it's not politically correct. It looks bad. But you know what? God was working. It is a storm in, in the sea, a raging storm that brought him to his knees. When he was near death, John Newton got on his knees and said, God, I can't die this way. I'm a, I'm a wretched. I'm a, I'm a wretch. I need grace. And that's why he wrote that song, Amazing Grace, which is the most enduring, beautiful anthem of the gospel message. Marked by what? Grace, generosity, and what? Redemption. That's the gospel. That's what we're giving our life to in the ecclesia. That's why Jesus says to Peter, not even the gates of hell can prevail against the church because you won't falter because you fail. Right? Because out my power will be there to pick you back up. So for some of us today, whatever ambivalence you have in your life, today might be the day where you go, God, I need that grace in my life. I want to go all in. Maybe you can use my life to do something amazing like Peter's life. No more excuses. 
Well, other people could be like that, but not me. Today might be the day you go, God, I surrender. I surrender all. Let's move down. And so in the end, Jesus creates the environment in which Peter failed the first time when he was called, when Peter failed in the middle of his story of denying Jesus three times. And now after he fails, really, his community, Jesus restores him this way. When they finish eating, verse 15, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Then Jesus says what? Read that with me. Feed my lambs. That is a direct reference to I am restoring you to the ministry. And because he failed three times, Jesus restores him three times. So no matter how much you fail, tell someone next to you, no matter how much you fail, <laughs> he'll restore you the same amount of times. It's infinite, right? So that's why I'm marked by generosity, grace and generosity. So if you receive this generosity in the gospel in your own life, there's no way you can't dispense of it. Then you don't become so judgmental. You don't think you're that good. You think Jesus is good, and you think, man, who am I? And then the third time in verse 17, the third time Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me, Peter? And it says what? Peter was what? Hurt. Peter was hurt. You see this audacity of this guy? He denied Jesus, and now Jesus is restoring you. He was hurt. Jesus, you still don't know I don't love you. Jesus like, you just failed me, man. It's like 72 hours ago, bro. But Peter was hurt. Sometimes we need to talk about the things that we fear most. We need, we need God to send people to show up to talk to us. Difficult conversation about the things that we fear most, things that might hurt. Because we've given up. We have the assumption we're flawed, inherently flawed, and we messed up. There's no point for me to keep going because I think I'm at the end of my story. My faith journey is, that's it. I think I'm done. Our ending is God's beginning. That's what we see in this passage. So the second lesson we learn is what? Let's read it together. God doesn't call the what? He qualifies what? The called. You go, well, no, no, no. I'm not qualified to represent Christ, to tell people about Jesus, to live this grand story of the gospel because I'm flawed. Well, are you willing to learn? Are you willing to say, I don't know everything? Are you willing to submit to the reign of God and leadership in your life? Then he'll qualify you. That's what discipleship literally means in Greek, internship. Do you get paid as an intern? Sometimes. That's if you're lucky. Usually you don't. Internship, to learn. There was a Japanese businessman. But you're not going to ruin it for me this time. <laughs> he went into electronics in Japan after World War II. And he founded a company. And you can say it now. Put it up, please. <laughs> Name Samsung. PlayStation 5. That's like, I'm in stir child, he told me. 
And um, it, for me, Sony is very prolific and um, informative in my life because it changed my life. <laughs> You're like, how? PlayStation? No, the Sony Walkman. <laughs> Just like in the Guardians of Galaxy, you know, Peter Quote has that. Me, in junior high, high school, riding the bus, riding the train, Sony Walkman. <laughs> Listening to the radio. It had, it had a dual tape radio. Does that make me old? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but but um, <clears throat> it, it was innovative and it, it changed the quality of my life in many ways. But the first few products that Sony started, they started really, they really fumbled. Because in Japan, they, the first thing, one of the first appliances they made was a rice cooker. But the rice cooker burned the rice. I mean, like, what's the point of making a rice cooker that can't make rice or bad rice? But that's how Sony began. But the stakeholders and the people who began it trusted that the founders could grow and learn. That, if a business can forgive mishaps and failure, then the church must be able to do that a thousand times over. Why can't business innovate, but the church can't? Morally, everything is so, f we're so fixated on failure being something defining when it's just a passing moment. If you learned from it, you've added value. If you didn't, you've, you, you lost something because you're fixated on something that, that's in the past. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He'll qualify you, but are you willing to learn? Are we willing to be contrived? Be like, you know what, God? I want to give it a try. I want to learn. That's the posture. And that's why we trust one another in the ecclesia, not because we're so great. And you go, P. Lid, I trust her. You die, ah, you know. Maybe your education a little bit. P-Lid, she's a saint. But you don't, that's in a, just an assumption though. You don't live with me. You don't have a camera in my house. You look at, you think my wife is a saint? Really, you think so? Hmm. The perception is, <clears throat> she's the good one. Doc, you, I don't we don't know. Kind of great, ambiguous. About but that's an assumption. Your assumption about someone's Perception is an assumption. You don't know because you look and perceive. Things are not always as they appear. So you don't trust 180 because, well, the, they look like they know what they're doing, or they look pure, or they look, that's just an assumption. No, you trust the God behind the office and behind the ministry. We trust the fact that this vision was started by Jesus to broken people and handed to broken people. And long as they're willing to know and share their weaknesses, willing to learn, we're all friends on the journey. Because that's really an assumption. What you really should do for leaders, is should, you should not look at what they say, you should look at what? What they do. 
what they do has a hierarchical value, right? Because what you do is really what you believe, axiomatically and implicitly. That's your value. So you trust. Trust is based on equity. But the overall vision is given to us by, by, by Jesus himself. To broken people, to broken leaders. Hey, so hey, we're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. But then what did Jesus begin in John 21? A community, an ecclesia, marked by what? Grace, generosity, and redemption. So instead of assuming things about leadership, assume it, then you should know that I'm human, leaders are human, you should be praying for us. <laughs> are you praying for us? No, but I'm, I'm just complaining, you know? Your sermon was like eight to 10. That was okay. You know? Dr. Andrew Lee came to me after a wedding. I think it was Esther's wedding. Yeah, this was the best one. This was like, this was a 10. The other one, you know, like seven, eight, eight. I heard this sermon 20 times. But he can say that because they pray for us every day. The family prays for us. But so rather than having this uh, game of perception, maybe the call to ecclesia is for you to be in participation with God's mission and be like, God, the weight of leadership is so heavy because you have to be an example, but they're still human. Maybe what I need to do is pray that your gospel movement and your grace covers. So that's an invitation for you to pray. What's 180 going to be in 10 years? That's up to really you who are here and watching online. It's up to you. How much of gospel mission are we going to accomplish? That's up to you. Rather than leaders serving, what if the collective body began to serve and pray and say, God, we need your grace. I want to pray, pray, petition you for strength, for wisdom, for favor, for grace. So let's stand and pray that we become a community marked in John 21 by grace, generosity, and redemption. Always rooting for the redemption of those in darkness. And that's the gospel response in the advent of this construction, a reconstruction, a regeneration of the most powerful redemption. So let's sing this anthem created by John Newton. A gospel marked by grace, generosity, and redemption. Will you receive it? Let's lift our hands. Let's receive this amazing grace. First in our lives, God, I want this amazing grace in my life. Lead, may it lead me home, may it lead to my healing, may it lead to me being utterly captured by the kingdom story and not the meta narratives that culture pulls me into amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me 
grace. Trust grace, that's all my heart to fear. And grace, my fears relieved. How precious thing that grace appear the hour I first believe when we've been there when we've been there ten thousand years bright shining as the sun we've no less to sing God's praise than when we first begun so for those of you that need to allow this grace, this incredible, amazing, scandalous grace to lead you home. Pray right now, God, I want to be caught up in this story again. In spite of my mishaps and failures and resistance, your grace is compelling. Allow the potter to come and make a masterpiece through the gospel. For those of us struggling, believers that are struggling in our story, and it feels like it's the end or the middle of the end, know that the work that he began in you, he's faithful to complete it. Because what did the text say in John 21? Did it say that Peter prayed for forgiveness? Did it say that Peter picked up the pieces and apologized to everybody and prayed that Jesus would come back? No, it was the end of the human story. It said that Jesus appeared. And if you take anything away from this message, take away that. When the presence of God shows up in your life, everything changes. It was dark, it becomes. There's light in the room. If there was hopelessness, there's hope in the room. It's Kairos time. It's that God's time. And that's all you need to say today, wherever you are in your story. Jesus. Will you show up in my life and change my story? Because Peter, who denied Jesus three times, died a terrible death, just like Jesus. But the legend says, he said, he didn't deserve to die like his Lord. 
So he died upside down. I must say that's a big leap for a guy that denied Jesus to a servant girl because he was afraid of death. God is in your story. You don't know what God will do if you just ask that he appears, show up in your life. So will you just pray that? God, show up in my life. Jesus, show up in my life as you did for Peter and change it, restore it, redeem it. our heads for the benediction as we conclude the retreat. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say Amen. Amen. God bless you. May the shalom of God go with you. Go peacefully and safely in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Minyoung. I'm a member here at 1A Church, and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 1A Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment method shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at Church 180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv, or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180 Church, which is available on text at 5397prayer and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, if your prayers have been answered, you can also share them on the text hotline and we can celebrate the good news together. Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with a group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. On the topic of community, we also have a number of different social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love us during the week. We have a Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you can read through the Bible with us. We also have a Facebook page at 180 Church. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Kim. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180 BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. 
We also have the 180 Church podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends, where you can tune into a conversation and a dialogue that goes into goes into the word a little bit deeper with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lu, who's a member of our community here. It's always a great time just listening to them um, converse about how the message has spoke to them and has impacted them, and you can see how it can do the same for you. We also have a virtual 180 cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels. And it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another. As you might have seen on our social media channels, we launched a care package delivery service called 180 Cares. And this is a great way to um, show appreciation and love to the people in our lives that, mean, that may need some encouragement. If you'd like to send one of these boxes or just want to learn more, you can go check out our website at 180church.tv slash 180cares. And lastly, if you've been blessed by our Sunday worship led by Pastor Lydia, you can visit the 180 Church Studios on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Here you'll find a playlist of all the worship songs we've featured every Sunday, and it's perfect for when you want to immerse yourself in worship during the week. That's all of our community news. Once again, we want to thank everyone for joining us this Sunday, and we hope to see you again soon. Bye.